0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another one in our series of Financial Wellbeing Podcast. My name's David Lloyd, writer, broadcaster, fellow of the Royal Literary Fund. All and about good egg. town. Yes, soft <laughs> chap. Uh, I'm here with Chris Budd,
1: producer Tomo. Chris, introduce yourself. Hi, everybody. Chris Budd, author of the Financial Wellbeing book and several other books, all available on Amazon as we speak. Tomo, who are you? Who are you? Who are you?
0: <laughs> I'm the
2: one who isn't middle-aged.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you for saying I'm middle-aged and not old. So. Only, well, uh, only by number. <laughs> only by number.
2: Uh, financial planner at Ovation uh, by day, and podcast producer by, by night. From, don's the cape. <laughs> puts on the. I was going to say by night, by Friday morning. Puts on in, the mask.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> right. Enough of that piffle, Chris. What's on the podcast today? Today, David, we have an
1: interview with Pete Matthew, legend of financial planning. And do you know what? Actually, he is a legend mm-hmm. of financial planning. Um, Everybody knows Pete within the financial planning world. He's a really good guy. He also happens to be my financial planner. So he helped me and Susie work out what we want from life and how to spend our money on that, which ended up with the selling of Ovation. So Pete's had quite a big influence in my life and he's a really good guy. He's a podcaster. He runs a podcast called Meaningful Money and he's got a book out of the same name.
0: So we need to crack on with this one. So we're not doing listeners' questions. No, as well. we're going to Chris, skip listeners'
1: questions. We've had a few, but we're going to keep them up for, for later podcasts because the chat with Pete's a little bit longer than usual and we didn't want to cut it down too much because there's so much good stuff in it. Excellent. But the one thing
0: we have to get in, because it's the what listeners consistently tell us is their favourite feature on the podcast, Tight Ass Tomo, where producer Tomo brings us his uh, tips for saving
1: money. So I've got another one for the tight-ass Chris's mum section. (laughs) My mum has kept them coming, kept these tips coming, and I'm not actually quite sure how this one works, so I'd like your opinion whether this is actually a... Tom, you you, you can pass judgment. She has worked out that it takes about a litre of cold water before the hot water comes through on the kitchen tap.
0: Okay.
1: So what she does is she keeps that litre and uses it for cooking veg or boiling an egg. Okay, I've got that. Is she on a water metre?
0: I don't know. Well, she must be. If you're on a water meter, I could see that, okay. that actually makes sense. So but aren't you, know, you
1: just going to use more energy in heating up the hot the cold well, water? no, but if you're going to be
0: if you're going to be boiling a kettle, say, or you're going to be boiling an egg, you're going to need cold water for that because it's going to start cold, you're going to have to heat it up. So what your mum is saying is every time you want hot water out of the tap, you turn it on, but you have to let it run for a while yeah. before the water gets hot. So use that, rather than having that water going down the sink. So, you, so
1: you're endorsing this? this I am
0: endorsing it. It's use it's that water. It. Certainly if you're on a water meter, you're going to save yourself a little
2: bit I've of money I've got
0: an even better tip.
1: Ooh. Don't so, trump my mother. <laughs> <laughs> she'll, she'll find out, mate. Sure. <laughs> Steam
2: your veg. You can get a pan, just a tiny bit of water, put a top on a, one of these steamer things you can put on the top, mm.
1: And you cook your veg. But then you don't get what my grandfather used to call cabbage wine. Oh, right. mm. well, you should give exactly. us a glass of cabbage wine yeah. as kids. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But so to steam death. your
0: veg because it's disgusting, That's isn't a good it? tip. You don't have to use that spare water to boil vegetables. I think what uh, Chris's mum is saying very sensibly is, you know, don't just let that water go down the sink find another use
1: for it. This is outrageous. My, I'm going to have to go and tell my mum that she can't boil vegetables anymore. <laughs> oh, really she have got her sprouts on for Christmas already. <laughs> really quick, it was the second
2: second tip we ever did and it was a friend who told me that they use the used bath water from um, their son's bath and they put a hose pipe, link it down to their butt in the garden mm. and every night they don't throw away the water they put it into their their butt in the garden there you go Well, my similar theme my mum's well and truly trumped on those two then but anyway there's a little tip no it's a good tip um, I'll try and find Keep some more coming. for next time Tombo what's yours I've got a really good one this week uh, it's a recommendation and I, I do like to to name check you know I can't take all the claim and this is a recommendation from my sister-in-law Carla so thank you for this one and it's called firsttable.co.uk and the premise of this is you pay five pounds but you get half price food the only drawback is you have to be the first table that's serving, so it's likely that you're going to be eating at 6 o'clock. But every Monday they put out what's available, and away you go. It's a really, really good way to eat in nice restaurants for you know less than you'd usually pay. Brilliant. Great tip. Great.
1: Good tip. Good tip. On a similar vein, I just finished with one very quick one from uh, Nick Comrie, who is a friend of ours, and she does her Christmas food shopping at six o'clock on Christmas Eve. She says they are literally... Because it's the only day of the year, virtually, I think, isn't it, where the, where the supermarkets are closed, it's Christmas Day. So they are literally throwing away all the food or giving it away for, for virtually nothing. So she does her entire Christmas shop for food, six o'clock on Christmas Eve. Then yeah. you've got to have a
0: confidence in your... Ability <laughs> yeah. for that would cause a lot of anxiety. There, you know? <laughs> got yeah. any turkeys? No, sorry, <laughs> all gone. No. A, a, a tin of <laughs>
2: Spam, you are of that age, aren't you? Spam, no. so, <laughs> spam, spam, moving spam, swiftly spam. on. Come on then, Younger. We've got the
1: interview. Yeah. Right, <laughs> come on, I'm looking forward to this. Okay, so Pete Matthew, as I say, book's just out called Meaningful Money. He's been doing this while well. we're here on the podcast for many, many years. He is also a director of a company called Jackson's Wealth in Penzance, and he is my advisor, and he's an absolutely brilliant guy. So let's listen to my chat with Pete Matthew. Pete, thank you so much for joining our podcast mate oh, it's great to be here thank you for having me we have a true legend in the house i think is the expression i think of the meaningful money podcast as a complement to the financial well-being podcast for two reasons okay One is because your podcast is so practical and helpful and ours, let's be honest, can be a bit philosophical at times. But the other one is if I say that, then you might allow us to uh,
3: join in with you and we can have some of your millions of followers. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I'm all for that, man. Spreading the largesse. Um, Yeah, no, I feel the same way, actually. And I think I know we share lots of listeners uh, in common and I get emails from people saying how much value they get. From the financial wellbeing podcast, so you're doing great work, mate. Bless you. All
1: the way through, though, Pete, you have always been dispensing some really sound financial planning guidance. Probably couldn't call it advice, could we? But but tips and ideas that are always rooted in practical nature, and and no more so than your book, The Meaningful Money Handbook, which is absolutely brilliant. So, we'd, I'd like to talk through some of your some of your ideas and tips that you articulate into this book. Where I want to get started, then, Pete, is all the way through all that you talk about, and all the, especially in the book, this word keeps coming up that I find really interesting, which is intentional. So explain to me why that word is such an important part of your approach to money.
3: Yeah, you know, I think so many of us kind of live our lives looking in the rearview mirror. And I think that's often the case when it comes to money. So, you know, we'll get to the end of the, the, end of the month and say, well, I spent too much this month. So it's a bit too late to do anything about it now. But looking back, that's what we understand. But we never then turn our eyes forward and think about what we might like to spend in the coming month. I think that's true of life in general very often. And we're often not forward-thinking enough. And that's really what being intentional means. It means rather than being a sort of passive observer... On what life is and what you do day to day and how you progress through life. It's instead being deliberate about it, intentional about it, and saying, right, where do I want my money to be in a year's time or how much money do I want to spend in this coming month and then doing something about it so it's just about living life forward instead of always being sort of passive observers which I think is the kind of default position for lots of us maybe that's a, a sort of commentary on the fact that we're, we're always observing other people's lives and maybe we do that <laughs> to ourselves and our own lives as well being intentional I think it just underpins everything else you know.
1: Yeah, I will draw the odd, if you don't mind, the odd bridge, if you like, from your practical mm-hmm. book to our thoughtful book, if I can, not that yours isn't thoughtful, but you know what yeah, I mean. Yeah, know what mean. And, mm-hmm. and one of our underlying principles is know thyself. It's yeah. a similar sort of thing, isn't it? You know, if you know yourself, you can then be proactive and intentional about your money rather than
3: reacting about what you've just done because you hadn't thought about it. Definitely. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's about taking responsibility and being adult about it, isn't it? I think as well. Yeah. So,
1: okay. Talk to us about your approach to money and build us, build the case up. Um, You've got three steps that form the basis of your book. Tell us about those three steps.
3: Yeah. You know, when you become aware that you've been saying the same thing lots of times for a lot of years, in my case with the podcast, I suddenly sort of became aware that I had spent six years of doing the podcast and a couple of years of videos before that sort of distilling financial success really into those three steps and uh you know you just find yourself talking about them and they kind of refined into the three steps and they are firstly spend less than you earn that really does underpin everything because if you don't do that then you've got nothing to work with it's pretty fundamental really and that's why it comes first Second step is to protect against disaster because we can be as intentional as we like, but life will throw things at us, which we're not expecting. And there are mechanisms which we can put in place to at least make sure those things don't completely derail our financial planning. And then I call that really the foundation on which the third step is built, which is to invest wisely. Now that's, it's almost too reductionist and too succinct that because there's a whole load of detail underneath those two very small words, invest wisely. You spend less than you earn. That's the fundamental discipline. You make sure you've got a firm foundation of protection so that you can cope with whatever the life throws at you. And then on that foundation, you can build wealth for the future. And that's really about saving and investing wisely. So those are the three steps really that the book is um, based around. Okay so of those 2 and
1: 3 there's obviously some overlap with what we say because we're all working from the same principles aren't we but the, some of your uh, steps 2 and 3 to prepare for disasters and best wisely that's the really practical stuff that if I may I'm going to leave people to buy your book that they can go and read your book and get those practical tips later and I want to spend a bit more time in a second in your step number one before we do because we don't cover investments massively on this podcast what would be
3: your main investment tip do you think for people the main investment tip and i think hopefully this resonates from a financial well-being point of view is really not to overthink or over worry about investing it's potentially a massive attention suck and a time suck you know it's just it drains you of energy if you spend too much time on it when really Most of us can have our investing done for us, and that's something that I preach a lot on meaningful money is that you know, multi asset investing, which is basically off the shelf portfolio funds, usually passive, so they're fairly low cost, they will do the spreading of your money around for you and probably do it better than you will yourself. So, we always just preach, look, have that as a core, just invest and forget, let it run, let markets do their thing. The more involved you get, chances are the more of a mess you'll make of it. So don't think about it. Really, investment is uh, science. It's fairly formulaic. If you believe in capitalism as a system, for all its flaws, it's probably the best one that we've come up with. Investing in that way will serve you pretty well over the very long term. So just do it. Fire and forget. And, you know, spend your time thinking about nicer stuff. <laughs> I
1: like that. Yeah, that resonates with me. Let's go back to your step one then about spend less than you earn, which that sounds such an easy thing to do, doesn't yeah. it? <laughs> yeah, it sounds easy, it really isn't in practice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, what, what sort of, I mean, in one level, this is budgeting. It's lots of other things as well, of course. It's about understanding where you're spending and, and making sure you're spending on things that make you happy. But mm-hmm. at a very simple level, starting point is budgeting. So, could you give us uh, your, I don't know, three top budgeting tips?
3: yeah easily my favorite tip for budgeting and people email me about this all the time and go wow what a revelation and it's so stupid it's the most obvious thing in the world but it was a revelation uh, to me as well 21 years ago when i got married somebody said to me you know the best way of it was probably my wife actually but i haven't credited her in the book you know that you can have two current accounts and i'm like really (laughs) no idea. You know, In my defense, I wasn't in this profession at the time. So I didn't know much about money. And in fact, I was a disaster, a complete train wreck when it came to handling my own finances as a student. My wife pretty much taught me everything I know about budgeting. But by having two accounts, so I call them a bills account and a spending account. If you get paid into your bills account, right? Now, most of us have direct debits. So our electric, gas, sky, or whatever you're spending your money on, Uh, go out of your account via direct debit. And they're broadly the same every single month. And so you know what has to go out over the course of the month. So you have your net pay in, take off or leave in the bills account, how much money you need to cover all your direct debits. And then whatever's left, shunt it into your second current account, your spending account. And then all you've got is what's left in that account. And that's what you have to budget. You don't have to budget for electricity if it's the same every month. You just leave that amount of money in that account. And it means you really only have to budget things like food, fuel for the car, birthdays, and a few categories. And it just immediately cuts down the amount of work. And the number of people (laughs) email me about that simple tip and think, who knew this was such a revelation? And it is. And it's just ridiculously simple, really. Potentially transformational if you are used to thinking, well, I've got X amount in my, you know, I've got sort of 500 quid left in my account. I'm being paid in 10 days time, but I know I've got 300 quid with of bill still to go out. So I've only really got 200, but my balance says 500 and, oh, oh, you know, it just gets that stuff out of your head. And, you know, you've just got one account really to watch as you go through the month. So that, that's been super helpful to me personally. Probably all your listeners are thinking, yeah, right. Okay. That's, that's your best <laughs> tip, Pete. <people>. You're <I'm laughs> certainly not buying your book, but you know, it worked for me. The well, well, they've, got I- the, they've got the tip now. They don't need to buy your book. Yeah, it was true. (laughs) Second thing is to budget to zero, by which I mean try not to leave too much slack in your account. So it's easy to say, right, okay, I've got so much coming in and I've got this amount going out in direct debits and so I know that I have got, let's say, a £1,000 to budget for the month. And you might add, add up what you're expecting to pay on food and maybe you've got a couple of birthdays coming up and a meal out with your friends and you think, well, actually... Um, I could have £100 left at the end of the month. That, in my experience, leads to woolly budgeting. Far better to determine where that £100 is going to go right at the start of the month and say, well, if it's going to be spared, then I am going to save it. I'm going to put it in my pension or I'm going to put it in my ISA or whatever, rather than kind of leave too much slack. If you have an emergency fund in place, which is also something that I tend to preach, You know, if something comes up, then you can deal with it. But rather than leaving too much rope in the monthly budget, I just think that can lead to kind of creep, really, in in the budget. And I would rather say, right, I'm going to budget to zero. I'm going to identify where every single pound that's going through my account will go. It sounds like a bit of a drag, but once you've done it a couple of months, you can do this in half an hour a month, which is really not too much to ask to make financial progress in my book.
1: And of course... although yeah it does add a little bit a bit hard work it sounds like it could almost be against financial well-being because you're not allowing me to spend money on things that I enjoy but of course within that budget to zero you can have an amount of money for spending on things that make you happy can't you
3: absolutely that was going to be my third Oh, uh, I think it's like out. I teed you up. It's it is, you. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, and the third thing is to pay yourself first. I can't take credit for that. That um, particular sort of phrase, paying yourself first, I attribute to a guy called David Bach, who wrote a book called The Automatic Millionaire, uh, amongst others. And um, it, the, the principle simply is, yeah, make sure you set aside an amount of money for your own Well being. Now, that can be anything. That can be paying down debt. And if you've got debt issues, I think it should be paying down debt. And, you know, a massive part of financial well being is not owing money to other people, in my view. So if you've got debt, there's a whole methodology for paying that down quickly in the book. But it can also be, you know, overpaying your mortgage, which generally is a good debt, but it makes you feel good to be reducing that as time goes on. Or it might be, do you know what? buying the new iphone <laughs> you know there's all sorts of things we're all different and i'm a big believer uh, that life is not a rehearsal and that we should to a certain extent uh, prioritize the now over the one day uh, the tricky thing is just ba- finding that balance really
1: okay so that's just pause on that point then Uh, The tricky bit is finding that balance. So I'm sitting at home, I'm listening to your wisdom, and I'm thinking this is all very well and good, but how much do I need to put aside for the future?
3: How do I work out that figure? Yeah. Well, you need to find a piece of string and measure how long it is, right? (laughs) (laughs) Of course, the, the answer to that is, is of course different for everybody. When we're talking about numbers, as opposed to the well-being side of it. All financial planning comes down to income and outgoings. So there will come a time one day when your income will reduce because you're not going to want to work anymore, probably. Now, retirement is a concept which is changing immeasurably. Uh, we're in a, a really strange time where the retirement of 50 years ago is disappearing. Another 50 years, hence, it'll look entirely different again, where many of us are going to be working longer. But the idea of work for many of us is actually a great thing you know, if we can find work that is fulfilling, then why wouldn't we want to continue doing that? I know that's a big part of what you're talking about with the eternal business. And we need to rethink what we might need one day, but it all comes down to what we want to spend. And so we need to give some thought as to what we might want to spend if we're no longer working. You know, we'll probably have a bit more time on our hands and work out where on earth that's going to come from. And it isn't going to magically appear. So we're either going to have to continue working or we're going to have to try and grab hold of some of the money that goes through our hands while we are in the first stage of our careers while we're working and put it to good use and make it grow for the future. So it's a difficult balance to find. And there is no sort of, you need to be putting 10% of your salary or 20% of your salary away. Those are all only rules of thumb and it's very different for everybody.
1: The trouble is if we don't, this is a personal thought, if we don't, give people something specific they don't do anything at all
3: yeah oh that is definitely true yeah um i've heard your age minus 15 as a percentage uh, which is a reasonable rule of thumb
1: that's probably more relevant when you're when you're younger
3: oh yeah and you're not it you have built a business i'm building a business there's plenty of ways to skin that cat and if you are a business owner then that changes completely it's almost a completely different sum the business itself can be putting money away from you you know do you include Overpaying your mortgage in that savings target. There's loads of ways you can mix it up, and there is no right way. Clearly, if you want to be financially independent, the answer to the question, how much should I put away, is as much as possible, right? I mean, that's got to be the answer, but not to the detriment of your enjoyment of life now.
2: Yeah, that, that, that
3: that's is the balance, the balance to strike. And it's really hard to strike. You know, I'd love to sort of come up with a definitive answer, but there isn't one. Sorry, listeners. <laughs>
1: Very early on when I started financial planning with Ovation, I used to offer a retirement report mm-hmm. and, and I did a, f- a few and then I stopped. And then when people said, I'd like to know how much to put away from my retirement, I would say, do you know what? I can save you whatever, a few thousand pounds paying me to do loads of work.
3: You can't put away enough.
1: That's yeah. what every single time it comes out yeah. as.
3: Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's true. So you, there's going to be some compromise along the way, but you know, life's full of that anyway. And you, there's no point planning so precisely to, you know, a given the nearest half of 1% of your savings rate or whatever, because life will just laugh at you and make it change anyway. So you're right. It's never enough. Just do what you can. And, you know, I think this. Small changes that we make, which I think build up massively over time. So if, let's say, you determine you can put 100 quid a month away right now, all right? chances are, if you can put 100 quid a month away, you might be able to put away 110, and it wouldn't hurt too much. So give yourself six months at 100 quid a month, and then dial it up. And then another six months, and say, well, actually, if I can cope with 110, Maybe I can cope with 125. And you'd be amazed at the compounding effect of those small incremental changes. As our earnings increase, we should sit down and be intentional about saying, right, I'm now going to be bringing home an extra 200 pounds a month because I've got a promotion or a pay rise or whatever. What am I going to do with that? Am I going to let my lifestyle increase where every pound of that 200 quid extra I've got is used on stuff? Or shall I say, well, an extra 200 quid a month, I'm going to save half of it or 50 pounds of it, and I'm going to enjoy the rest. So, again, be intentional. Think this stuff through. Sit down with your partner if you have one and say, right, what are we going to do with this, with this money, this new money, this extra money we've got? Or how can we push our savings rate a little bit such that it doesn't make us miserable? And that's usually a pretty good barometer.
1: Yeah, we come back to that word intentionally again, don't we?
3: Yeah, it's it's like I thought that through as well.
1: (laughs) (laughs) One of the things, I do some financial well-being talks in the workplace, and one of the things I I always say is I've never yet met a 25-year-old for whom a pension is the most important thing in their lives. No. I've never yet met a 60-year-old where the pension hasn't been the most important thing in their lives. It's it's the same person. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's bizarre, isn't it? I had somebody recently who said, um, what's what's the one tip would you give for how I spend my money? Because I don't have much. Uh, She was, I think, 25. I said, spend it in a way that your 35-year-old self would say thank you.
3: Mm, Good point. Nice.
1: I guess it depends who we're talking to, doesn't it? Because if we're talking to that 25-year-old, enjoying yourself is going to be a big part of it. And then it's 50 quid a month, 100 quid a month, do what you can. Whereas if it's a 55-year-old who's trying to make some big life decisions, it's more about go and see a financial planner, get a cash flow forecast, get real, really granular on it so that you're able to make those decisions.
3: Yeah, absolutely. That's when, and I say that all the time on the podcast, really financial planning comes into its own in that 10-year run up to retirement, five to 10 years and into retirement, so you can manage spending down and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, at 25-year-old, there's just no point. It's like as much as you can without sort of uh, being of any detriment to your sense of fun and enjoyment.
1: There's some great stuff in your book about responsibility, Pete. Uh, there's a great line that you say, saying my parents never taught me about money is putting the blame on somebody else. Yeah. Which I think that's a great, a great line. I, I We have a similar sort of approach in the book, the financial wellbeing book, where we talk about happiness, um, that we've always got reasons not to be happy. Of course, obviously, we've all got difficulties we face in life. But yeah, sure. I do think we have to
3: give ourselves permission to be happy. Yeah, I think we do. And I also think we need to. Take responsibility. There's one thing that really winds me up. Maybe it's my sort of um, evangelical Christian upbringing, which basically everything's my fault. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So maybe that's a sort of a bit bit of a factor in it. But I I remember I've had this sort of conversation with my kids because sometimes, you know, my daughter's fallen out with somebody else's daughter or whatever. Now, the other person, the other parent might be saying, well, my child is certainly not at fault. My child is an angel. Whereas I always think, actually, my kid's not an angel and probably she's got a lot to do with this because I'm happy to take responsibility for my kids and teach them to, to take responsibility for themselves. And I just think we so often are defensive. You know, it's not my fault. It's the fact that my parents never taught me about money. I use the an analogy in the book because I'm a serial dieter, right? We were talking about this before we hit record. And I'm in a sort of slimming world Kick at the minute, so it's going rather well. I'm nearly a couple of stone lighter than I was in the summer, but I, I hear people say all the time, I really struggle with my weight. You think, well, no, you don't actually. In the book, I said I don't struggle with my weight. I struggle with myself. I struggle with my tendency to under-exercise and overeat. And when you realise that, and you think, well, actually. This is not something which is happening to me. It's something I am doing to myself. <laughs> then maybe I can do something different and change it. And obviously, that's where I'm at right now. And so I think we need to take responsibility. I think it's part of financial adulthood. Um, and we need to man up or woman up, if you like, you know, and just stop whining about stuff and get on with it. I have no time or very little time for anybody that says... Too many things are uh, somebody else's fault. Some things, as you rightly say, are outside of our control. We can plan for those a little bit. That's what step two of the book is about. But it ain't my fault if I get to retirement and I haven't saved enough. Well, of course it is. <laughs> there's always stuff. I've got a £2,000 camera in my Amazon wish list right now. And I'm, a couple of times over the last 48 hours, I've come ever so close to pressing you know, the buy it now and add it to the cart. And I haven't done yet because I know there's implications of that. So I'm taking my own medicine and just thinking about it. Do I need that? No. Do I want it? Will it make me feel great? Yeah, it will. But you know, can I get some value out of it and pleasure out of it that make it worth the money? Just thinking this stuff through and, you know, being adults about it, it's not too much to ask, is it?
1: Yeah. I, 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 I completely agree with you, Pete. And one of my favorite uh, expressions is my mantra for, I think how the the world is currently turning. Um, If there was one slogan to sum up the times, it would be,
3: do you know, Somebody should do something about that. (laughs) <laughs> yes yeah yes you know maybe if the american voters will sort things out in the midterms you know trump will it'll go away or if we can just get a deal in brexit then everything will be okay so, oh, man just you know let's all just deal with our particular corner of the universe that we're dealing with and probably the some of the parts will be better as well
1: yeah and i think i think that goes for being happy as well i think um, mm-hmm. we can also say do you know what I, I will allow myself to spend my money on that camera because yes. I will actually get a lot of joy out of it. I've, I've taken a couple of weeks out. I've thought about it. I've delayed. Now, I have concluded that I am going to go every weekend on to wherever you're, Dartmoor or near where you live, and, and take some pictures. I will get joy yeah. out of that. And that's okay, that's, too.
3: It, oh, it totally is. I had an email from a listener the other day saying, how can you justify buying a MacBook Pro you know my macbook pro you know the price started with a three right and it wasn't in the hundreds <laughs> three, okay. okay yeah it wasn't 300 pounds <laughs> <right>? <laughs> how can you justify that when you're telling us to you know put money into our pensions and they I took great pleasure from saying look not only do i have to edit 4k video which is processor intensive so i get a lot of practical value for it but it feels like an event when i open my computer i'm a nerd i love technology and it just i flipping love it (laughs) and so for that reason alone it was worth overpaying by about 50 percent for the spec just because it's wicked when i open it (laughs) (laughs) good for you mate good for
1: you so speaking of emails then let's just finish on one last question because one of the things that i have found over the years about money is people do like to feel that they're doing what they might think of as normal yeah, that have some reference against what other people are doing when it came to discussing attitude to risk. My favorite response from a client was when I asked him for his attitude to risk, he said, I don't know, what does everybody else do? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is so meaningless when it yeah. comes to risk. You've had loads of questions and queries, I mean, thousands, I would imagine. Has there yes. been any particular theme or themes that have come through those questions?
3: Uh, questions, I get lots of questions about investing because. Most of us have a pretty fundamental sense that we need to spend a bit less maybe and control that sort of stuff. And most of us understand the concept of insurance in its sort of widest sense. But when you know we get auto-enrolled into our company pension and there's 25 options as to where we should be invested, 25 options of the fund or 300 options, most of us just go for the default because we just are sort of stunned into inertia by having too much choice about stuff we don't understand. So I get loads load of questions uh, about that. Um, the tools that I've provided, things like the the debt snowball, which is again, is not original to me. I don't have many original ideas, um, but you know, I get the, the tool for getting out of debt in what I believe is the most effective way. Um, I get loads of emails saying people have used that and have benefited from it. Those are easily my favorite. You know, where people have said, you know what, the tools you give me have enabled us to clear 25 grand with a credit card debt. Now I've got six months' money in the bank as an emergency fund and I'm paying into pensions and ISIS for my kids. I just think wicked. You know, that's outstanding. That's the stuff that I, I want to get out of bed for. So, you know, investing the tools and stuff and the permission that you've mentioned already, the permission to sort of, do what they think they ought to be doing but they're almost like well let me just sort of check in with this fat guy recording into a cupboard in penzance to see if i'm doing <laughs> things right i was like you don't have to ask my permission you know i'm giving you tools you do what you want with them without any question though people email me to say look the knowledge that you have given that i have given them has given them power to move forward we are paralyzed by Having no information about what to do with our investments or um, you know, how to budget even. We're not taught this stuff in school. We're not taught it, many of us, by our parents. So you know, the fact that people have taken this stuff and taken action on it, I'm always quick to say when I respond to them, look, I've just provided the information. You're the ones that have done it so you need to give you know, kudos to yourself, really, and, and take credit for the, for the difference you've made in your own lives. Not sure really, that answers your question, Chris, but that's the sort of themes that come through.
1: I think that's great, Pete, actually, because what you're saying there to people loud and clear is this intentional again, that it's up to you. I'll be here. I'll give you a pat on the back and say, well done. And by all means, drop me a line. I'd love to hear from you. But at the end of the day, you've got to go and do something.
3: Yeah. Do you know what? I'm getting a real kick from the fact that I'm looking in the mirror and I'm a bit trimmer than I was three months ago. And it's because of action I have taken. And it's great for your sense of well-being to no longer have your head in the sand, but instead to have taken action and begun to see the benefits of that action. I tell you what, I mean, that is life changing. So I sometimes get a little bit teary and sort of misty eyed when people say, look, I haven't got debt anymore. I've now got direction. I'm talking to my HR department about increasing my pension contributions. And I know the future is brighter as a result of the action that I've taken. And I just think, man, if that ain't well-being, then I don't know what is. You know? So I, I, that's why I get out of bed, man. That's why I believe you know. I'm put on earth to do this. Um, because of these emails that I get every single day, which is just, yeah, it for, does wonders for my sense of well-being, believe me.
1: So there's a really interesting point I just want to bring out there. Which is the role that you are playing and the role that we need in life. You're not telling people what to do, Pete. You're giving them the information and the knowledge and the equipment so that they can go and do it themselves, aren't you?
3: Yeah, and absolutely. And if we do know ourselves, one of your points, then we can start to listen to ourselves far better. And... I think sometimes we need to talk to ourselves, right? And sort of lay down the law with ourselves. Certainly, I know that's the case with me. But sometimes we need to listen to ourselves and trust the fact that, you know, we've got to this point relatively unscathed, or we've learned from the scars that we bear, and bring all that to bear on our lives and not apologize for it. Um, You know, I mean, again, to sort of raise my... uh, Upbringing, my evangelical Christian upbringing, which I'm very grateful for in many in many ways, it is who I am to a large extent. But I've learned to rationalise a lot of it and actually not apologise for some of the things which might fly in the face. Uh, of that sort of way of thinking but which I believe very strongly right now and you know it's part of growing up isn't it and if that's how if that's what we need to bring to bear on our financial decision making and all our other decisions for god's sake you know love uh, relationships all that sort of stuff that's part of being human and should be celebrated and enjoyed
1: yeah pete thank you so much for coming on the 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 phrase that you use in your podcast and in the book uh is so true your book really is all you need to know and all you need to do about money and we recommend it massively well done for writing it mate
3: thank you mate really appreciate it and as ever appreciate you uh, having me on
1: absolutely brilliant stuff what a nice guy he he's sounds. a lovely bloke he really is yeah he's really generous as well he does an awful lot for young advisors and for people who he gets so many emails every week from people asking his advice and i don't want to set him up <laughs> to get lots <laughs> more but he tries to answer every single one he's a
0: really top guy yeah i was really taken. There's one tip in there that i am absolutely going to do and that's the thing about having two bank accounts one for your your regular spending and then one for your mm-hmm. sorry your regular bills and and then the other one for the, the money you're gonna spend. And, and I, I've actually got two current accounts. So one's a historical account, um, an old joint account, the other one's kind of my current account. I've got my bills coming out of both of them. So that's what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna unify those, I'm gonna put all of my bills coming out of one account and have that as my, well I've gotta make sure every month that I've got enough money to service those, which for me as somebody who's self-employed, where I haven't got regular income, It's a really good way of making sure I know I can meet my uh, debts and expenses. And then the other one, I just know there's my spending money. What a great idea. We we take it to another level with me and Lindsay is
2: that we then put it into a single account each with what we call our pocket money. So that we can spend money guilt free, Mm. which I think is important without us judging each other on what we're spending on money on. And, and go, do the
1: amounts that go into those two accounts, are they equal to them?
2: They are equal, but one gets <laughs> topped up more often than not. Um, no, it works really well because it means that, you know, if, if Lindsay wants to blow her money on things that I don't have any value on, it doesn't matter because it's her money. Yeah, but you're that, still
0: making the judgement though, aren't you? Because you usually would the word blow.
2: blow. Uh, <laughs> that's a very
0: good point. Yeah, but <laughs> no, no, I, do think, I do think that's very important though, I think obviously you, you need to have within a relationship, it's up to you how you organise your money, but I think it's very important that there is mutual trust and that you understand about where all your collective money is going. But within that I think it's also important that you have to actually, this is my money and if I want to go and blow it on a, a computer game or a night down the pub or whatever, yeah. I'm going to do that and at least I know that's not impacting in any way on my joint
1: life. So I picked up one of the things that he said towards the end there was that of all the questions he gets the most common thing is about investing and investing is something that we don't really talk about much on this particular podcast Uh, we talk about the behaviors of investing but the actual nuts and bolts of investing what it is and how we haven't really covered that and that actually is something that a lot of people want to know about so that's why I think his podcast is actually a great companion to our podcast the two things work really really well together so and Pete's happily endorsing that so hopefully we've got lots more listeners as a result of that Fantastic.
0: Yeah, well, I hope you've got a lot out of that. We've obviously clearly enjoyed that interview and and it was really great to hear Pete's input into that. Uh, It's been great as ever to spend time with Tom and with Chris and we hope you'll join in with us next time we do another one of our financial wellbeing podcasts.
1: If you want to be notified of upcoming podcasts, make sure you click the subscribe button. For more information on the topics discussed in today's podcast and to purchase a copy of the Financial Wellbeing book, please visit www.financialwell-being.co.uk. We'd love to hear your thoughts and ideas on financial wellbeing. You can send us an email at contact at financialwell-being.co.uk. You can follow us on Twitter at finwellbeing. Chris is Ovation Chris. And David is at Dave underscore Backwell. This has been an Ovation Finance production. Thanks for listening to the Financial Wellbeing podcast. More interesting than you might think.